Yeah. I've never been a reverend before. I've, I've pastored for so long that no one ever calls me reverend. My wife calls me a number of things. <laughs> it's never the right reverend, honorable bishopness. Hey, my darling. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word, to open our hearts and invite you to speak through me, Lord, just for the love that you placed in my heart for people, for you. Place your hand upon the message, Lord. Place your hand upon my my lips. Place your hand upon the hearts, Lord, that it will minister grace and mercy and love to them. And so we give you praise for today, and we thank you for your love and kindness towards us as a, as a family, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, we've, we've known the Luai family for a long time before. There was, there was only a few of them when we first met. And they breed really well. And there's grandchildren now and, and things. And they've all disappeared. They're all in children's church. and They're all working. I thought I was going to get the opportunity to abuse them like they do me, but no. Brett, welcome and, and greetings from Brother Jerry and Miss Carolyn. They just wanted you to um, uh, enjoy your day and know that they love having the church as part of, your, of their church family. And... Um, I want to uh, minister to you today on um, being positioned for success and following on from Brooke, it's about having that quiet, confident expectation that God is going to come through, through his word, um, with every means that are at his disposal, which is everything, isn't it? Not just what we think, not the way man does things. And um, we know that faith cometh by... And so does. Amen. Because you want to make yourself a home. It's fine. Yeah, just anything else you'd like to do while we're, we're at it. Making me a cup of tea. She's such a blessing, isn't she? Oh, nice. Sorry. Oh, it's nice. Okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I ministered, I, did, I don't know whether you remember, um, when we did a Zoom about a year ago into Breakthrough, I ministered on the same subject. But I didn't realize that when they asked me to miss, uh, minister on the same subject again because I asked them, what, what do you want me to um, minister? And they said, position for success or success orientation. And I said, well, okay, that's fine. But when I went back and had a look at the previous notes I hadn't realized. It's from a different, totally different angle. And so I want you to to open your hearts. I believe that God has positioned each one of you and I for the success in in the kingdom. And it doesn't matter what age you are, what color you are, what education you are. I believe that as a Christian, we have been, um, if you like, positioned by him for success and abundance. I believe that every morning that we get up, we have the opportunity to take hold of that that chance, that um, realization that God has positioned us um, absolutely for success. And you know, when we get up in the morning, especially those of you who know me, we had a I had a quadruple bypass uh, a year, well, six months ago. So every day extra now for me is a success because I had four arteries that were eighty percent blocked. And they kind of cut me up and made me new. And my wife is totally scared now because um, she's having a job keeping up with me. Amen. 
But what I want to bring to you is the fact that it is my expectation every morning that I will be a success in God and we will be a success in God. And every morning when I wake up, it, it, it's strange, I will get up and I will begin to, my feet hit the floor, and I'll begin to thank the Lord for this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because that's my expectation. Um, my girls would say, Dad, you have to sing all the time. We sing in the supermarket. We sing in the shops. We sing on the road. Because why? There is an expectation of his goodness and grace. And in fact, <clears throat> half the time I don't realize I'm doing it, I suppose. It's just become part of who we are. And in the office, I was there on um, last week, and suddenly this voice over here shouts, Dad, because uh, our daughter is our office manager. I said, what? Love? She said, you're whistling. Will you stop whistling? <laughs> Why? I have a confident expectation that God's goodness and grace is going to meet with me today. He's going to meet with you today. And <clears throat> just in your heart, you may just say, but my pastor Ian, I can't call myself Reverend, it's Ian or whatever. He said, you don't know what I'm going through. I know I don't know what you're going through. But God knows what you're going through. God sees everything. And my expectation, and this is what I want to first of all start with, the attitude of expectation that we get from the Apostle Paul in Philippians, which I'll read now, is a key to us, if you like, helping us to stand while God is working things through in our life. It helps us be content in the position we're at at the moment. And it's the attitude of expectation which drives, uh, if you like, Diane and I as a family, an expectation of that goodness and grace. When I wake up in the morning, I expect God to be working on my behalf. Amen? And, and in fact, when you go to, I think it's, a, I put the scripture down, Second uh, Chronicles 16.9, it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is prepared or perfect. It, the scripture says perfect before him, but it doesn't mean perfection the way we see it. It means to be anticipating, to be expectant. When you get up in the morning, are you expectant of his goodness and grace to be with you? Now, in Philippians 1, 19 to 20, it says this, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Now, when Paul wrote this, he was writing um, within prison. He'd just been through a trial. He'd just been sentenced to death. But he writes the words, my salvation, which is the Greek word soteria, which means deliverance, protection, preservation, soundness, and wholeness. Now, you think of prison, and maybe you think of something we have today. But the prison, the Roman prison that he was in, was a dungeon, was black, was it was terrible. You didn't get anything unless somebody came and fed you. So it was a terrible position. Yet he says, I believe for my salvation by according to my earnest expectation. When you look at Strong's Concordance, it means intense anticipation. Paul anticipated intensely that God somehow was going to deliver him, to make him whole. But then he says right at the end of that verse, he says, whether I'm, whether, my paraphrase, whether I die or whether I don't, it'll be to the glory of God. 
But what kept him in that, because you could uh, rework it this way and say, I am, Paul said, I'm absolutely confident, I earnestly expect, I intensely anticipate that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Paul was content whether it was based or abound. He was content in prison knowing that God is going to be with him and he's going to look after him. Now, when I looked at that, I thought, oh, my goodness, what an attitude of faith. I don't know whether any of us would ever have to face that sort of thing, but it was Paul's race. We have our own race. I don't think I'm going to step into getting thrown into prison, but I have my own race. Paul had that race. Now, but does he expect our anticipation, our expectation? What drives you and drives us as a family is the attitude that I have every day, that God is going to provide for me and position for me to be successful in everything I turn my hand to. And, you know, when, when you look at that, um, I've, I've played a lot of sport. And until I got into my late teens and early adulthood, uh, I didn't really have that anticipation. But when I got a bit older, I don't know about you, I hate losing. I hate losing in anything. It, it, it drives me. I don't. Even now, when I go to the gym, I am competitive. In fact, where I'm, I'm competitive in everything, actually. But at the gym, I'm competitive. But I'm not competitive with the young men now. I compete with the women. Because at my age, I can't compete with the men. And even with the women, I tend to lose now, but, but it's okay. Because I have a race to run. And that's what Paul talks about. He talks about competing. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 25. 1 Corinthians uh, 24. Um, do you not know that those who run, a, run in a race all run? This is chapter 9, verse 24, 25. But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, I want you to run your race as if you're running in a natural physical race. But here we have a... a, a what he was talking about spiritually is that we have a destiny. We have a race to run by God. Not the same as him. Each one of us is different. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And in Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet for the nation. That's Jeremiah. But each one of you he saw in the room. Each one of you he has appointed to a race. And each and in that, that individual race, he is placing you and positioning you to win. That's what we've got to get a hold of. The fact is we're not in this race just to take part. I don't take part in sport just to take part. Is anybody the same? I like to win. If I'm going to play, I want to win. I want to do my best. I want to win or whatever sport. And this is what Paul is saying to us. And then in Jeremiah says, but I've got plans for you, a destiny. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You're going to win. I wrote this as a, a, a statement for JSMI and as our partners. In JSMI, we believe that your destiny does not depend on your education, your family, your background, 
or even your past. We believe that each and every one of you have a divine destiny given by God and that each and every one of you can become a champion in the race God has given you. We believe that as a ministry. When Brother Jerry brings it down to two words, he says, we believe in making winners. Winners doesn't mean we make you win and somebody else's lose. But in my race and in your race, we walk with you, we talk with you, and we encourage you to walk. And, and in, a, in a way, the prophetic word for this year was uh, 2023, the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. And recently, Brother Jerry has been uh, ministering on the hundredfold return. And he uses that as the, the um, analogy of that's the maximum you will receive in your uh, financial way. But it comes really when you look at Ephesians 3. I want to read you verse 20 from the Amplified. Now to him who, who, by in consequence of the action of his power, that is a work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and to do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond their highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. When we do that, it brings glory, because when you look at the next verse, it says to him be glory. When we allow that and when we begin to see that, and I believe God is challenging us through Dr. Savell through his word, that we are begin to dream big, pray boldly, expect God to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we hope, dream, or expect. Amen? I don't know about you. We have got to, it, I think another way to say it, it's a time to shed the limitations. Shed the limitation. Fully embrace the abundant life that Jesus Christ has promised us. Amen? I don't want to see us settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than this is the best for us. I believe the time has come, and it's like life of dying and I, and you think, well, I'm 74 now. But you think, you, what time has come? I need to go to the next level. I need to be able to minister more. I need to be able to share more. And we, we had the privilege yesterday or last two days of meeting with our partners that have come down and sharing with them as God led us. It was such a joy. Being here is a joy. And when I, I look at it and I, I go to Jim and they say, well, how old are you? Said, Age is a number. I mean, Moses was 80. He may have had more hair than me. I was saying to Graham when he came in, I, I, yeah, I don't know why he made me bored and somebody put this glory of white hair. <laughs> but the, the hundredfold, if you like, it, it's time for us to rise up to that level and report, and I believe it represents the maximum, the highest level obtainable in God's divine economy. It symbolizes abundance. Not abundance to heap up on ourselves, but abundance to be able to have to share and to give. And so when I look position for success, that was just a build up to, I don't know, is that, do I have a clock somewhere? What time do I have to finish, Pete? No time. No, time. no, 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 come. We can only preach as long as a person's bottom will take. So we're going to look after you for that. What it, what it is, and I want to go into this positioning from Isaac. I wrote this. If God positions one, posi one person for success, and that person obeys the Lord and achieves success, then we who follow, you and I, can do and receive the same results. Amen? We can do that and we can receive the same results. And I, I heard a phrase from a, there was a, another preacher and I picked up on it. It's called the Isaac harvest. Now, we've all heard about Isaac and we're going to use that as a basis. 
And what I want to do is teach you, hopefully this morning, to pick up on the secret, if you like, of the Isaac harvest with some other examples as well. Because in the midst of famine and lack, God had this man to believe him to produce a harvest in the midst of famine. Uh, Genesis 26, 12 to 14. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great and went forward and, and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Two questions. Where did Isaac sow his seed? And when did Isaac sow his seed? He sowed his seed in a land that was in the midst of famine. And when did he sow it? When God told him to. He sowed his seed in a time when many people were leaving that land and going down to Egypt. Now, God told him, hey, I don't want you to do that. I want you to stay where I place you, and I will bless you. He said to him, don't follow the crowd. We don't need to follow the crowd of what's happening. We need to follow the voice of the Spirit. Amen. Remain in the land, Isaac. Remain in Egypt, and I will bless you. Because he said, paraphrase, if you obey and remain, me in the remain in the place you are, I will bless you greater than you have ever been blessed. I believe the same is for you and I. Sometimes the grass seems greener, but it'll only be greener if God is directing you to it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Isaac didn't understand what God was meaning to do, and I'm sure he didn't, it didn't make sense to him in the natural why should I stay in a land when there is famine? There is um, no food. There is nothing. But God said, I'm going to bless you. And in fact, even though it seemed impossible, God blessed him and he did exactly. And he was blessed greater than ever before. God positioned Isaac for success. It didn't seem like it. Just think about that. If Isaac had disobeyed him, what would have happened? We wouldn't have had this account, but we wouldn't have the examples we needed. But there is a great blessing in obedience. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land in the land that you are in. Amen. You've got to catch a hold of that. Yeah. When God tells us, Amen. it will work. Now, another example. A man called Angus Buchan. Angus Buchan was a farmer who moved from Rhodesia down to Zimbabwe, down to Natal in South Africa. He was a wonderful man. We've, we've had him um, knowledge of him for a long time. There's men's ministry in South Africa. An amazing man. But he made a film called Faith Like Potatoes. Okay? Some of you have heard it. But the story is so exactly the same as Isaac. Because we think of well, that was back in Bible times. But Angus Buchan was a, a farmer and he wanted to plant potatoes. But Natal was in a drought. But the Lord told him to plant the potatoes. It would be going to be okay. So by faith, in opposition to all the other farmers who think he's nuts. And if you've seen the film, you saw the, the end result of that was that the crop was amazing potatoes, faith like potatoes. And potatoes came to him because of his obedience to the Lord. He told 
Isaac to stay and sow. He told Angus Buchan to stay and sow, even though it didn't make natural sense. But how many of us, all of us and God's people, disobey God and not obedient, and then we whinge and moan when it doesn't work? None of you do because you're all spiritual here in Melbourne with Breakthrough Church. But we've, not my wife either, but I've disobeyed God. Amen. And, and we don't, <coughs> don't reap the results that God wants us to do. Isaac obeyed God and God blessed him. Angus obeyed God, God blessed him. And let me tell you this, in the midst of what has happened in our nation, and you guys have been through it in far greater depth than we have in Queensland, but times are hard for people. Times of, there are many people who are suffering because of the ineptitude of many of our different people who are in charge of our states. Amen. It's the easiest probably way to, to say that. We, God can bless you in the midst, and put it this way, in a suffering economy. Man, you've only got to ask people about electricity and this sort of thing. We're in a suffering economy, but God and say that with me. But God, God, God can don't. You don't have to go to another state. You don't have to go to another city. You have to do stay where you are and obey what God wants you to do. So Isaac didn't follow the crowd. Go to Genesis twenty six three. He says, "Sojourn, sojourn in the land. I will be there with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham my father." Isaac obeyed the voice of the Lord, remained in the land with the Philistines, but then Isaac did that nonsensical thing that some people will look at you when you start sowing seed. Was Isaac sowed seed? Genesis 26, 12. He did what was not logical. Okay, Isaac sowed, Angus sowed, and they stayed. Ian and Diane were told something totally different. We arrived here in 1996 for our 25th wedding anniversary. And um, God spoke to us at that time and said, come back to Australia. Leave South Africa. And um, Mary was one of my congregation members in South Africa back oh, 35 years ago. So we, we came, um, came, went back home, and it, we thought we were going to come back straight away. And it took two years. After about 18 months, it was, this was, we came in 96. Um, uh, towards the end of 97, uh, we got our visa to come across. But at that time, we hadn't sold our house. We didn't have tax clearance. We had no airfares. And we only had a ministry that was sponsoring us to come over here. Okay? So come to October. We actually arrived here in April. But October, November, December, January, February, March, April. In October, God spoke to me after being in the same church in Ramah North, a system brother there, um, we're in Ramah South at one time, and we were there 15 years. I had 1,600 in my part of con congregation. In fact, Germiston was part of my area and where they, they used to live. And um, God said to me, I want you to leave Ramah. I want you to leave your church. And I said, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't you, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to Australia. He said, no, I want you to leave your church, and I want you to trust me because I want to teach you. Lord, I don't want to be taught. 
I want to be provided for. Amen? But he didn't. He said, I want you to leave church, and I want you to trust me. I want you to learn to live by faith. Sometimes it's easy to live by faith when you have a job, and you've been in the same job for 15 years. Big congregation, everything. I said, Lord, okay. And then you ask the question, okay, I'm going to leave Rhema, and I'm going to trust you. So he says, yeah. Okay, how do you live? Because God's going to trust you, you think, or do you hold on to everything? Because Lightbrook just declared, we are on the inside, you know, everything seems to be okay, but you've got that guitar being swung around on the inside because you're not sure what's going to happen. Do we spend everything because God's going to provide? Do we hold on to everything God's going to provide? But faith says no. Faith says I'm going to live my life as if I'm normal and God's going to provide. And that's what we did. We had a house sale, we paid our tax bill, we got our airfares, people paid for our transport across here. Everything was done in those seven months. In those seven months, we didn't have a job, but we had more money and everything than we could have imagined, if you like. But we did one thing. We tithed and we sowed. We tithed and we sowed. We didn't always have money to sow, but we tithed when any came in. And then we sowed. We sowed of our time. We sowed of our love. We sowed when we had finances. We sowed with meals. We did exactly what the scriptures have said. We sowed in what was a natural famine, but God came through. And we came through and arrived here in April 1998. And Isaac sowed when nobody would have believed him. Angus sowed. We sowed. And we came across and God had actually provided us. And God promises his best, regardless of the hard times that you and I are in. Isaac, Angus, Ian and I, why do we need to sow when others are not sowing? The principle is you need to sow regardless of the condition of the economy, regardless of the financial crisis that you find yourself in, because you have had a promise that the world doesn't have. You as children of God have a promise. Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. People in the world will not understand why you sow. People in the church won't understand why you sow. In fact, a lot of people will think you're crazy for sowing and giving your time. Why are you going to serve at that church again? Why are you sowing into that reason? And the reason most people will not understand I've written, or even may think you are crazy, is because they don't understand the principle of giving and receiving. The Isaac principle, the, the secret to it was in the giving and the heart. But Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men shall give unto your bosom. And with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And I want to encourage you with something that I found in preparing. We've been in the ministry now and, and say 40 odd years. But there was such a refreshing when I started to go through these scriptures again. All right? It's the word of God that is sown deep in our heart. Now we've known this thing. How many of us know Luke 638? Give and it shall be given unto you. Mm. But it's like you just using it. And it's what Brooke said again. I got this. But now, when I came to start studying, I suddenly went, you know what, Lord? This is true. I want to be the man who 
gives. But there's also a man out there who wants to give to me. Now, I don't concentrate on him, but there was such a refreshing when I was thinking about my harvest. I call in my harvest every day. How is he going to come? Through man. Okay, Lord. Through the ministry times. We've had brown paper envelopes given to us, but we've given stuff. And, and so when you walk in obedience and sow your seed, even in difficult times, don't quit. Don't quit. Isaac could have quitted. Angus could have quit. We could have quit it. Ecclesiastes 11, 4 and 6 says this. He who observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether you shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they shall both be alike. We are in an economic hard time. I'm not in this church. I'm not after your money. I am encouraging you that during the hard times, continue to sow so you can change the situation that you're in. The seed has the power to change your future. It'll change your future. Now, it's not the size of the seed. Otherwise, the widow's might would, would not be there. Jesus said it was tiny. And then think about the mustard seed. He said the mustard seed, that was the example for Jesus. It says the tiniest seed that then grows into a huge tree. The birds settle under its branches. Amen? So what am I saying? I'm saying at the moment where we are in positioning ourselves, you may think that you don't have it. You may think that it's the size of it. It's nothing to do with that. It's the heart in the seed. The seed has the power to reproduce itself. And I, be, I believe if God did it for Isaac, Angus, Ian, whoever you want to say, Peter and Christine, he would do it for us. Amen. Isaac didn't receive 30, 60, or 90. He received 100-fold in the midst of famine. He is El Shaddai, the all-breasty one, the God who is more than enough. Now, let me give you another couple of examples. I, I, I love this because I've never seen it quite less be in position. How about Israel? If you go back to, you don't have to turn there, but Exodus 12, 35, is when God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the children of Israel and said, I want you to go and speak to the Egyptians, and I want you to re really take their money, take their clothes, take their goods, take everything. Amen? Good understand, Israel... The children of Israel didn't get blessed after they'd left. The children of Israel got blessed in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their lack, in the midst of the situation they were in. You are positioned, no matter what you're going through, by God, because he can bring you out in an instant. Psalm 105.37. He said, he brought them forth also with silver, and gold, and there was not one feeble among, one among them. God literally gave the children of Israel instant success, instant abundance, and instant health. Two and a half million of them. God gave the children of Israel, because of the, what was on them, the favor of God, which called them to receive that was theirs. The favor of God is on each and every one of you. It's on Dan and I. It's on you. God, even this time, I believe he's going to give us favor. So people will turn around and say, hey, how did this happen? It's the God that I serve. 
His favor surrounds me like a shield. So they went from nothing to being healthy and wealthy in the midst of their situation as they started to come out. I don't know how it happened, but it did. Can you imagine going into someone and saying, give us your money. Give me your clothes. Oh, yeah, sure. Hello, Mr. Slave, Mrs. Slave. We'll, we'll just give you that. Amen. They were positioned. Even though they didn't look like it, they were positioned for success, weren't they? It was God's timing. It was God's favor. It doesn't matter. It's always God's timing. The suddenness of God are going to come upon you and I. So, what about... I always felt sorry for the singers with Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles 20. Remember, he gave his children instant wealth immediately. Children of Israel are actually surrounded. And, um, and they're, they're in fear because there are three armies or whatever coming against them. And Jehoshaphat says, I don't know what we're going to do. So he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord sent him a, a um, prophet in Second Chronicles 20, verse 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. Think about that again. The battle is not yours, it's God's. Don't go swinging your, I'm glad Brooke did that thing. You're swinging in this, no, 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 no. You're going to say to yourself when you wake up tomorrow morning, Ian just gets up and says, thank you, Lord, this is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice in it, Lord, and I have your peace on me. And I'm not going to swing that. But the Lord says, the battle is yours. The battle is yours. Whether it's health, whether it's finance, whether it's whatever is coming against you, you will be able to say, by the peace of God, God is for me, then who can be against me? Now, can you imagine? Joseph says, oh, this is great. Singers, worship team, now I want you to go out in front and sing, and it'll be fine. I would... Come on, smile at me, because it's true. Who would want to be one of those guys? I do not think so. But he says, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them in abundance both riches and with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off themselves, more than they could carry away. And there were three days gathering the spoil, and it was so much. God says, the battle is mine, not yours. And he sent them against each other. But let me tell you this, if you, some of you, I was never in the army, maybe some of you were, or in South Africa, I didn't get caught up. But who on earth goes into battle with their jewelry? I don't know whether you ever felt that, it was just something, I've thought on a number of occasions, who on earth goes in with jewelry and the precious goods and your clothes into battle? God's ways are not our ways, are they? Amen. Amen. So once again, God gave the children of Israel the victory, success, and wealth. He gave them so much wealth, they couldn't carry it all. Why wouldn't God do it? If he did it for them, why wouldn't he do it for you? God had placed them in a position for success. God has placed you and I in a position for success of his children. If he hasn't, and if he has not, we have a problem. Because if you, as Brother Jerry always quotes, if you put it in my copy of the book, 
You shouldn't have done that if you didn't want me to have it. And so that's the truth of God's word is that, hey, if you did it for one, you do it for others. So we're going to learn the secret, which was in the obedience, there was giving. There was sowing of our time, of our fun. What God tells you to do, he may tell you to go into work an extra half an hour early to prepare coffee for people or doing something. He may tell you to stay a little bit more. He may tell you to pick up somebody and take them home after they have worked. He's going to tell you to do something because he's going to position you for success. He positioned me to get saved when he sent an American missionary to the beach in Mombasa, Kenya, back in 1982. He positioned me for a success in my alcoholic state to meet this man. Then he came up two weeks or three weeks later into Nairobi to lead me to the Lord and and I. Look at who we are and what we are now. We were positioned by God. He came from the States. We came from Nairobi. We met on the beach. There is no such thing as coincidence. There's God incidents that you're here today to understand that God has planned and a purpose for you to fulfill. And when you look back at uh, Genesis 26 again, and you look at the story again of Isaac, 26.12, then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold. A hundredfold, midst of hard times. Ian and Diane, you, Judy, you, Peter and Christine, it doesn't matter. We're in the midst of what's hard times. Man. In the midst. But what we're doing, the Lord blessed Isaac, the Lord will bless us. Amen. And the Lord blessed him, Genesis 26, 12. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew to become very great. He went on not only being blessed, he then became great and very great. And then in verse 14, he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, a great store of servants. He reaped a hundredfold from the seed he sowed, was blessed. I love this. If you, if you add them all together, he became great, became very great, great possessions, great herds, servants. You notice after he reaped a hundredfold, if you go down to verse 26, 14, it said, and the Philistines envied him. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. God is going to bring us out. God has positioned each one of you, you and I, for success, for abundance. And we may not have it in our hands now, but we have it in our heart. But unless it's in your heart, it'll never be in your hands. Because if it's never in your heart, it'll never come out of your mouth. And if we do not believe it, we don't say it. And if we don't say it, we'd never receive it. That's just pure 101 faith. That's the word coming out as we heard this morning. If the word will come out, it will produce the success because it is the seed incorruptible that is being sown in your life. And when you get up in the morning and you begin to charge the atmosphere with the faith of God and the love of God, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. We take care of what we've got. You're never going to get a new car unless you look after your old car. Yeah, Amen. Unless you're like me, I've got a new heart. But I hadn't looked after the old heart, but that's just the grace of God. Amen? And now we're going to look after this body. Look after yourselves. Present yourselves the right way. I believe that we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. The way we act, the way we talk, the way we are. But there was one thing, and I, and I 
felt it this morning as I was praying. If I go back to Genesis 26 again, I looked at the last part of what um, the Lord wanted me to share, and it was in verse 28. You see, the, the Abimelech, I wrote down, uh, it was Abimelech, Ahuzar, and Phicol, the chief captains of those armies that came to Isaac in verse 23. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, and we see, said, Let there be an oath between us, even betwixt us, and there, us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. The outflowing for me as I began to see this favor and was the covenant that people who do not know God will want with you. Yeah. Favor attracts them. Like a, a nail is attracted with a magnet. There is a magnetism. There is an aura. There is a, an anointing on you. If you would take hold of this and say, I'm positioned for success. I carry the Almighty God on the inside of me. And because of that, people are drawn to you now who may not have been. They will begin to see the success. And they will begin to say, I want what you have. I want to be where you are. Will you please come into covenant with me and begin to help me? Will you help me succeed in the areas that I've got? Because you can you are the ones that are going to make the difference. You are the ones that God is going to use. And it doesn't matter what you have, what job you're in, what money you're in, what situation you are in. And I believe that that is what God wants us to do this morning, if you like, is that you may not see yourself as in that position to walk into the success that God's got for you. Because maybe you've been put down. Maybe you've never seen yourself this way. But God sees you, so he gave his son just for you. And once you understand that if it had been for one of us, Jesus would have still come and died. That he wants you to understand you are that valuable, you are that precious to him. That he wants to put you into a place and a position of, of prominence. Not, not in, the, in prominence where people go, ooh, look at that. But in your community, in your work, in your family, in your sphere... Of influence. People forget that. You know, each one statistically, the psychologists, I believe, tell us that we impact 80 people, that we have close contact, and we will influence. Well, if you can influence 80 people, isn't it worthwhile? Amen. If they see Jesus in you. Amen. And that's what I, I, I was said to Peter. I want to make sure everybody is born again and, and, and saved. But on top of that, I really felt as well is that maybe you don't see yourself positioned for success. Maybe you think to yourself, well, I, I'm only a so-and-so in this job. It's all right for you, Pastor. You're on the pulpit. This is not where I live. This is where it's part of my job. With my wife and my family, I live in my home. I live with the ministry. We live helping people. This is a real blessing to be able to share the good news to come up here and get to, to share my heart. But that's not where we live. We live in the supermarket, the shopping center, the office, our family. That's where we live. And that's where we're going to make the difference. And you will be positioned for success because when you walk into a place, you change the atmosphere. But if you don't believe it, you ain't going to get it. 
And this morning, the, the scriptures are showing that if he can do it in the time of famine for Isaac, for Angus Buchan, for Ian Slack, if he can do it for the nation of Israel on two different occasions with things, he positioned them. Maybe your position looks untenable. Oh, but you don't know. Uh, maybe you've just retired. No, no, you haven't. No such thing as retirement in the kingdom. Come on, Ian, are you sure? No, absolutely, there's no such thing as retirement. Don't you ever retire. Because there'll be somebody that you can touch that I can't. This is small potatoes compared to everybody you can touch. So, first thing is salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and ask the worship team to come up. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or maybe you're watching my live stream and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, I'd like to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're here this morning and you're able to raise your hand and say, Ian, I want that Lord Jesus that you serve. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this kingdom because I've never made right with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you'd like to say, I'd like to make him my Lord and Savior. Then why don't you just go ahead and raise your hand if there's someone here that says, nope, I've never made him before. Or if you're here maybe and you've moved away from him and you want to come back home to him and say, Ian, I, I need to make Jesus Lord and Savior. If you're here, you can raise your hand. Okay, look up at me. We're going to do this for the sake of those who are, and even you may be shy, I don't know anybody here, but also for those on the camera. I'd like you to say this after me. Say, Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus, and I declare with my mouth that I desire Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Lead and guide me. Live your life through me, Lord Jesus. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. And amen. And the one thing I, I asked Pastor Peter if I could do that. But if you're here this morning um, and, and you feel that you're in a position, but you're not positioned for success, and maybe you've put yourself down, and maybe you're in a job and you think, well, I'm this. Can I really be successful? Can I really be abundant? The answer is yes. Yeah, maybe there's maybe one person, maybe there's, there's none. But we need to offer that to you, that I believe God wants to take you and for you to see yourself as in a different position. Position to bless people. Position to love on people. Position to um, influence them to go to that next place and that next one. Is there anybody here that would like prayer for that, that sees themselves that way? And it's, it's not, um, what's the word? It, it, let me think about what it is. It doesn't make any less of you that you've been thinking that way. But now's the time to stop it. To stop those thoughts. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes... And you need to see yourself as God sees you. He can do it for those. If he can do it for us, he can do it for you. And he wants to place you in a position where you're ready to move into that success to influence others. So, if there's anybody here 
I'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, at the same time, the worship team are here. I hand over to Pastor Peter to continue with the service. Thanks, guys.